are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Good morning. morning. Um, Today's scripture reading is short and to the point. As you will hear, the discernment of the verse had a profound effect on the members of our Guatemala group. So from Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by renewing of the mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Before we begin with our reflections this morning, I wanted to point out that there is a picture on the front of the bulletin, and it's also here up on the screen. And this is a picture of Charlie and Sally and Jorge. Jorge is uh, a man who came to the United States with the help of Covenant as a boy to have a kidney transplant. And he is now obviously full grown. He is close to finishing school um, and doing well. So we wanted to share that, that we had an opportunity to connect with him when we were there and that he is doing well. And he sends his greeting to the Covenant family. This was Covenant's first opportunity to travel to Guatemala with Sedepka the Protestant Center for Pastoral Studies in Central America. It is an educational institution that contributes to the transformation of lives and contexts by providing training and accompaniment and by offering spaces for reflection to women and men from diverse Christian traditions, communities, and contexts. PCUSA Pastor Betsy Moe and facilitator Esvin Sirin had worked before we arrived to connect with the communities at Coyolate and also Santo Domingo, to determine ways that we could walk alongside them, working, singing, praying, playing, eating, and sharing together. They also made all of our travel arrangements in Guatemala. We were well cared for and stayed in hotels throughout our stay. Our first day in Guatemala included a visit to the Sedepca offices in Guatemala City and several informational sessions with various speakers We learned about Guatemalan history, immigration, the church in Guatemala, and several educational programs focused on empowering women and men that are run by Sedepka. We were all inspired by the people we met and determined to make good use of our time together as we sought to better understand why God had called us, a group of everyday folk, to this time and this place. We want to thank you, the Covenant family, for being a part of this ministry, for praying for us, for praying for the people of Guatemala, and for allowing us to make this trip so that we might continue to grow in love and understanding of our brothers and sisters all around the world. Sedepka shared with us a paraphrase of Romans 12:2, the verse that Bob just read. And it is, we recognize that living toward God's new creation requires a transformation of our minds. This trip truly was life-changing and transforming for all of us. 
and we want to share some of our experiences with you. Good morning. I have the privilege of sharing the words written by Nancy Gunder, who wasn't able to be here with us this morning. She writes about the history of the Guatemalan Civil War. Nancy says, I find myself asking how one can fully recover from the horrors of civil war that raged in Guatemala for 36 years between 1960 and 1996. Like many, I was mostly oblivious to the tragedy that was unfolding there. The Civil War began in the 1960s because of economic, political, and social inequalities. In the 1980s, the war became focused on the indigenous Mayan peoples in the highland, who were thought to be harboring and supporting guerrillas that took up the fight for human rights in Guatemala. The Guatemalan government and the American multinational corporation, the United Fruit Company, which owned vast amounts of land in Guatemala, had a long history of oppression of indigenous people, not unlike what happened in our own country with First Nations peoples. Finding their voice and asking for rights was a long and complicated effort, ultimately attracting guerrillas who were willing to fight for these rights through violent means. In response, the government via the military and with the support of the CIA intent on squashing communism pursued a scorched earth policy on the Mayan people. Their homes, crops, and animals were burned as they fled into the mountains around them with nothing but the clothes on their back. We visited a woman's weaving cooperative, Corazon de Mujer, during our travels, and many of us are sporting the beautiful woven textiles that we purchased there. This cooperative has been a blessing to many Mayan women as a means of support emotionally, socially, and financially. While there, one woman, Bernarda, shared her personal story of how her village was burned to the ground and they had to flee into the mountains. She was very pregnant at the time and delivered a baby boy in the mountainous forests six weeks later, only to be shunned by her community because the cries of the newborn would disclose their location. She was advised that the child had to be killed or she would have to leave the group. She opted for the latter, leaving her husband and two other children behind, only to ultimately survive and reunite with them. And that baby is now 40 years old, she told us. About a million indigenous persons were displaced by this war. And Nancy concludes, my takeaway from this experience is that despite the horror and tragedy, Hope abounds for a better life, even in the most desperate of conditions. In fact, hope for a better life is a major driver of today's immigration crisis. May we continue to support our Guatemalan neighbors as we live into Jesus' message of abundant life, peace, and love for all peoples through him. Amen. As I jumped off the bus and surveyed the site where we would be working alongside the wonderful people of Montahoreb Presbyterian Church, I felt my throat tighten, my stomach started flipping, and my heart started to race. Before me, I saw pickaxes, shovels, and the start of the trenches for a three-foot concrete foundation. To my right were piles of sand and concrete mix, cinder blocks, and a trailer truck full of large rocks. 
I sent a quick prayer up. God, why am I here? What do you have for me here? I also sent a quick text to a mentor of mine, Pastor Marcio Sierra at Lighthouse Church, with a plea for his prayers. Marcio, I'm on mission in Guatemala. I'm asking for prayers for the work and also to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm not sure why God called me here. And with that, I picked up a shovel alongside my new friends and Koya Latte and got to work doing some of the most difficult manual labor of my life. Of course, our hosts handled the work with agility and ease and patience and kindness. It became clear that my being there was not helping in any real way to finish the construction of the new building that would house a Sunday school and community kitchen. Again, I sent up that prayer. God, why am I here? Why did you send me? Meanwhile, I received a response back from Pastor Marcio. I believe you are there with the people that God sent you with for a purpose. I pray that God's will be done in and through you. I feel like you are there for more than just helping with a building project. You are there to speak into the lives of others. As I took a swig of water and picked up a shovel, I found myself paying attention to the opportunities to speak into the lives of others and for others to speak into my own life. That could only happen while co-working with church volunteers from the Coyolate community. The conversations that followed were God-breathed. There is no other way to describe it. I found myself so grateful that I had the opportunity to study Spanish earlier in the year in immersion school because it gave me the tools to connect and listen to several people, hearing their stories, and finding myself curious about their lives, their cares, their concerns, their children. All of these conversations happened in the context of working together, doing hard, for me, work in community for a purpose that bonded us in a hard-to-explain way. The service project in Coyolate was so meaningful for me because it set a beautiful canvas for incredible connections, and community was created, renewed, and strengthened. These conversations show me how big, how expansive, and how beautiful God's community is. As I headed back to the hotel that night, exhausted, dirty, and so very happy and filled to the brim with God's love, I asked God again, why am I here? And the lyrics from a favorite hymn came right into my heart. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. Indeed, the Lord called me, used the context of service to lead me to these wonderful connections, and I will forever hold the people of Guatemala in my heart. The idea for a medical clinic on our Guatemalan journey evolved as we learned about the inaccessibility of healthcare to much of the Guatemalan population, especially the rural regions where poverty and extreme poverty are prevalent, the exact regions we were about to visit. 
As a physician whose practice focuses on adult healthcare here in Madison, I was curious, excited, and frankly, very apprehensive about the idea of offering some type of medical care entirely out of my comfort zone. But not surprisingly, the amazing people in our group immediately jumped on board with ideas to make this happen. And when Sally's daughter, Carolyn, a pediatrician who lives and practices in Vermont, joined our group, the planning, enthusiasm, and details for our clinic just took off. Our first night in Guatemala, we met Dr. Marcy, an energetic, young family medicine physician who provided valuable lessons on her country's health and health care. Guatemala has very high rates of infant and maternal mortality, mainly due to infections and malnutrition. The sanitation infrastructure is lacking, so the water supply is often tainted. The country is also seeing a tremendous rise in chronic conditions like diabetes and hypertension, mostly related to diet that is high in corn and sugared drinks. We learned that high quality, timely, and accessible medical care is available there only to the wealthy. A few days later, we were greeted with hugs and tears of joy by leaders of the Montehebron Presbyterian Church on a very steamy Saturday in Santo Domingo. After delicious traditional lunch in the outdoor church courtyard, it was time for our clinic, and we were all hands on deck as the church families began to arrive en masse for their checkups. Our clinic happened in a small room off the courtyard with a curtain offering a semi-private door. There were several young adults from the church community who were enrolled in university medical training programs with scholarship support from Covenant who joined us and we worked side by side with them all afternoon. After brief instruction, these students performed all the blood pressures and finger pricks for diabetes screening, created medical report cards for each patient, translated and helped arrange follow-up follow plans for people who needed more care. Our group checked the kids for appropriate growth and development. Babies were weighed on a scale that Carolyn fashioned out of a cloth sack and a luggage scale that was hung from a tree branch. Every family received a supply of vitamins, antiparasitic pills to treat intestinal illnesses, and a small supply of Tylenol and ibuprofen, which are very expensive in Guatemala. Carolyn and I listened to hearts and lungs and most importantly, we listened to health concerns and worries. Betsy Moe, the Presbyterian pastor and our Sadepka host, served as my interpreter, but more accurately, was my clinical partner in care delivery that afternoon. Different than a typical clinic day in the US, none of the patients had any conditions related to smoking or substance abuse. No one mentioned a Dr. Google article, and no one asked for an MRI. Similar to patients in the U.S., however, most of them mentioned stress, insomnia, headaches, and pain. While I could help them with various medical diagnoses and aids to alleviate some physical discomfort, it was really Betsy who connected with them on a spiritual and emotional level to provide care that was beyond my expertise. And this was one of the most satisfying clinic afternoons of my career. So by the numbers, here's what we saw that day. 56 patients in one afternoon. Zero complaints about clinic wait time, which was in the sun and often for two hours. 80 to 90% of the babies and children had signs and symptoms of mild to moderate malnutrition. 
We diagnosed nine new cases of hypertension, one new case of type 2 diabetes, and gave four courses of antibiotics for various infections. We also had one case of shock. I was actually the one in shock. It was because Betsy explained to me that the strapping and healthy-appearing 18-year-old young man sitting before us had been electrocuted seven months prior when his machete hit a downed electrical wire while working in the sugarcane field. Miraculously, he had no serious complications, and more miraculously, I was able to somehow remember a little bit about electrocution and let him know that in time, all of his symptoms would likely go away. But it was another man anxiously awaiting evaluation while his mother lingered nearby that I will never forget. He had recently been told that he had three months to live. The details were vague, but apparently his pulse had been very slow, and he was told to see a cardiologist, which he was unable to do. I wondered if something had been lost in translation, because this young man had no symptoms of any sort, had a completely normal pulse, and a normal heart exam. We taught him how to check his own pulse, offered him lots of reassurance, and arranged some follow-up care. His relief was enormous, and his mother hugged us. At the end of the day, we may not have really delivered much in the way of traditional medical treatment, but we delivered an abundance of care. By being present, listening, touching the hearts of our brothers and sisters, not only with stethoscopes, but with compassion, seemed to be enough. And it was a great day. Good morning. As you may or may not know, Covenant has provided scholarships for students in Santo Domingo for a number of years. It is not free to go to public schools in Guatemala. So for many children, these scholarships have been a lifeline for education. The Guatemala auction, which starts soon, is a major part of the fundraising we do in order to provide these scholarships. <clears throat> While in Santo Domingo, we had the opportunity to meet with some of these students and their parents. It was wonderful to hear where their education was taking them. Future agronomists, lawyers, nurses, physical therapists, psychologists, and more. <clears throat> they expressed their great, <clears throat> excuse me, they expressed their gratitude for our help <clears throat> in making these achievements possible. But it was moving, and I think very important, for us to hear how difficult it still is for these students. Their struggles to learn include lack of transportation, health problems, and difficult family issues. Yet they persist, grateful for the chance and continue their dream of a future with a job and opportunity to improve their lives. One young lady, this meant catching a ride in the back of a pickup truck each day. Later, she had to make sure she arrived at the proper spot in time to catch her ride home. One gentleman, pictured here playing guitar for the morning service, was at our meeting with three of these students. Two were his wife's son and daughter from a previous marriage. The first husband and father had abandoned them. The third was his wife's sister's son, <clears throat> who he had taken in after the father had disappeared and the mother migrated to the US. He was supporting them in their educational pursuits as if they were his own children. The daughter had developed severe anxiety during the COVID shutdown 
and he had managed to get her the help she needed so that in time she could resume her studies. These were just some of the stories I heard in my small group of students, and I know there are many more with similar experiences. I am so grateful to have had the opportunity to talk with them, to open my heart, to open my mind, and I encourage you to all remember them in your prayers and continue to support them by bidding in the upcoming auction. Uh, and if you don't want more stuff, that's okay. A donation or a check will do just fine. Thank you. Archimedes said that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But I'm convinced that the shortest distance between two people begins with a smile and is sustained by the telling and receiving of a story. Points can be made and sometimes understood with facts and figures and statistics, but lives and hearts and minds can be changed when we are given the chance to share our stories with others. The lucky dozen of us who made the trip to Guatemala were given the incredible gift of hearing people's stories, of being witnesses. It felt like the most important thing we did in Coyolate and Santo Domingo was to listen as people shared their stories with us. It was wonderful to share the act of chopping vegetables with them or moving some earth with them or sharing a story with them or assisting with a medical clinic, or painting a room, and of course, being able to sing and pray with them as they so extravagantly welcomed us to join them in worship. But ultimately, it was the act of listening, of being witness to their lives and their stories that felt like the most important thing we could do, that we could give to them our undivided attention. Every story that they told to us was ultimately about love, love for family, love for community, love for education, and love for God. And the incredible lengths that they went to in order to be able to make the lives of those they love better. Their generosity of spirit and their love were the sacred gifts they gave to us. How blessed we are to have such wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. Nuestros hermanos y hermanas de Cristo. Gracias a Dios. <laughs> 